I lost a lot of motivation. Um, I, I tried to set other goals for myself in the sport. Um, but it was, it was, uh, definitely more difficult for me to kind of really see those through. And I think I just was a little bit burnt out. Olympic Channel Podcast. That was Olympic equestrian rider Lucy Davis. I'm Rory Jawani and you're listening to the official Olympic Channel Podcast. Every week we find the best athletes and ask them about the big Olympic talking points. Olympic Channel Podcast. You're probably wondering what's happened to Ed Knowles. Well, I'm delighted to report that he became a dad for the first time last week. So while he starts his journey into the world of nappies and sleepless nights, we'll be minding his other baby for a little while. Back to this week's podcast. Lucy Davis is a Stanford graduate with a major in architecture. Her first love was horses and she had to juggle her studies with competing around the world. Lucy wasn't selected for London 2012, but she was picked for Rio 2016. At 23, she made the individual final with her horse Baron and they helped USA to silver in the team jumping final. But after the games, Lucy went through something of a crisis. Her heavy schedule had taken its toll and it took her two years before she was finally able to settle on a new plan. Before going on paternity leave, Ed sat down with Lucy to talk about her equestrian career and how she recovered after Rio. But he started by asking her about where it all began. When did Lucy realise she could turn her horse riding into Olympic ambitions? Olympic Channel Podcast started kind of competing when I was younger. I would uh, watch the opening, like all from start to finish of the opening ceremonies um, and and just, you know, get these fuzzy feelings. And I was just kind of told my parents when I was really young that I, I want to do that one day. So I kind of fixated on it. Um, it became more of a goal and more of a reality once I was kind of started competing at a higher level and, um, and particularly when I was, um, started riding Baron, who I knew really had the, uh, the, uh, ability to, to take me there. You've got, you've become serious. You've started competing internationally. Were you obsessed with London 2012? Like, was, was that something that you were really gutted that you, you didn't quite make? I actually was not i i did the the trials in 2012 um with the idea that i wanted to get experience for the next one our sport is pretty unique in the kind of age discrepancy uh and and the you know so the more experience the better and i was i just started my first year um at stanford university so I really I made the choice that I wanted to go to school and do it all concurrently, um, but also realized that you couldn't really do it all, and so I I really focused on doing that as more experience, and um, I think I was tenth on the uh, on the list for London, um, and uh, but I I kind of I was I was a little bit upset because obviously secretly I was like maybe it'll go super well and I'll just make it, but. Uh, I think I I I told my uh, I told my kind of close family and friends that when I I didn't I didn't quite um, think when if I were to have gone to London I would have been able to really 
perform well enough to get a medal or anything. And I kind of was said, when I go, I want to do it right. <laughs> so sure. that's that's how I that's what I told myself to cope. <laughs> but it's quite tough to like. I can't imagine being like. I guess at Stanford it's different because there's lots of people with like elite doing elite things. Yeah. It's an elite place to be. I guess it comes that's good and bad. It's like there's quite a lot of pressure if you go, go you know, going there. But did you find it hard to to balance those two things? Yeah, Stanford's um it's funny because as you said, it's it's a lot of people doing a lot of elite cool um, things they're at the top of their sport or um, study or you know whatever so I was basically commuting from uh, California to Florida for these trials weekly I would take Wednesday red eyes and fly back every Sunday night for about eight weeks um, in the winter and uh, and my friends would kind of be like where have where have you been? I haven't seen you. I was like, oh, I had a horse show, you know? <laughs> and um, so I think uh, I think it was just kind of what you do, what you did. And everybody had their, you know, their their agenda and their schedules and just kind of dealt with it in a, in a matter-of-fact way. So I just kind of had, you had to, over time, learn a system that worked for you. But you did architecture, right, which is pretty hectic. Yeah, that was probably not the best choice of major. <laughs> um, I tried to line up my studio courses for, uh, you know, times that were a little bit less, uh, or when my schedule, my competition schedule is a little less strict because it's a little hard to kind of bring your model <laughs> with you on the airplane. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of times where I'd get back from a competition and go straight to the the uh, architecture lab and be gluing sticks together for hours. <laughs> but um, I, I loved it. I learned so much and um, such a great community of, of students because you spend a lot of time together and um, I wouldn't change it actually. So for Rio 2016, um, I guess when you make the US team, you freak out, right? It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> how did how did how did that day go, and what was it like with your family? And it's kind of the the bit where the, your dream comes true. Yeah, I. So, I actually was um, living in a very small town in Germany, training with um, a German uh, trainer named Marcus Bierbaum, and I had this kind of little um, apartment above this sort of elderly German couple's house, and I was alone when I got the call um, from the coach. I, I was a little bit, to be honest, expecting the call because of the way I performed in the trials, um, but it got to the point where I was expecting it, and then it didn't come and I was kind of like am I on or am I off so it was just you know a total release and I just uh, as soon as he told me I hung up and I just started like screaming crying but, but I was also completely alone so it was um it looking you know in from the window probably wasn't a pretty picture but I then called my parents brother grandparents all my best friends so um had a kind of three hours of calls after that of just, yeah, screaming, crying, dancing around, FaceTiming. So it was um, 
it was quite a night. <laughs> I guess as well, you're on a completely different time zone as well. So you're like calling people in the, yeah, middle, in the of middle of the day. <laughs> and some of my friends, um, you know, th- nothing to do with horses. And they, they're, you know, working in a office in New York somewhere. And I was, they're like, hey, can't, can't talk now. I'm working. I'm like, pick up the phone. <laughs> like, you're like, go in the bathroom. We're FaceTiming right now. <laughs> Amazing. So. Olympic Channel Podcast. With that, Lucy was off to her first Olympic Games. In Rio, she qualified for the first round of the individual jumping final, while Team USA reached the medal round in the team event. But they had a problem. Normally, each team has four riders, with the worst score excluded from the team's total. But Beezy Madden's horse suffered an injury in the first round, leaving the USA with just three riders. Here's Lucy once more to explain exactly what that meant for her and her teammates. Olympic Channel podcast. We still had a chance going into the last day. It just was a, a bit of an upward battle. And um, we basically, uh, Kent Farrington, my teammate, went in, went clear, I think had one time fault. I went in and had um, a kind of unlucky rail at the end that was my horse kind of spooked um, going into this triple combination and um didn't re- didn't really see where he's going I kind of pulled him towards it and he's so athletic that he could get over the first element but um the second element we had a rail and then finished on four uh four faults so one rail and uh and there was still a chance but then the last or the third French rider went in they went clear and so then we knew before our third rider McLean Ward was going to go in that he was basically riding for silver and at first I was kind of devastated (laughs) because I felt like responsible a bit for that if I would have gone clear we could have still been in the running for the gold and I felt um uh, a bit like it was my fault um which my teammates were great about uh, because there's obviously a lot of factors that lead up to the end score (laughs) um but you know, I think a lot of athletes are always kind of blaming themselves. Oh, if I let, if I didn't uh, let that goal in or this or that. But then once we uh, actually got silver, it kind of hit that I'd won an Olympic medal. And I didn't care what color it was or what, you know, it was at that point. I was, I was, um, it was very emotional and uh, I was so happy to, to have one. Yeah. After the Olympics, after that all kind of dies down, there's like this moment, I suppose, you've still got your medal, you've still got all those memories, there's a satisfaction there. But after that massive high, sometimes people crash. Absolutely. Um, I I kind of extended the high for a couple of weeks, um, kind of kept competing, had a bunch of, you know, family parties and celebrate the medal and, and all of that. And then um, about a month after I had, decided to take a month off and also took a moment to regroup and uh you know it's a blessing in a way that you can compete in equestrian for a really long time but also uh it's it's pretty scary to ask a 23 year old what they want to do for the rest of their life (laughs) so I kind of said you know let me just this was this was fun and all but maybe I want to pursue architecture or maybe, you know, I want to kind of look into other, other things. And so I 
you know, toured some architecture firms and went and saw some friends and where they worked and um, kind of the conclusion of that was that no, I, I like what I'm doing. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like working with horses every day and and um, and uh, and then kind of went back to then a small town this time in in Holland. Um, I thought maybe a little change of pace might um, be good. Uh, and uh, and then it got a colder. It got, you know, a little bit lonelier. And I didn't quite have that goal that I was just waking up every morning, every time I didn't want to work out, every time I didn't want to bike to the barn in the rain. You know, I just was, I was like, if you can't get past, if you can't do this, then, you know, you won't get to where you want to be. It's the little moments. It's the behind the scenes. It was it was everything I kind of like twisted in my mind that I needed to do this now to get to where I wanted to go. And I didn't have that anymore. So I kind of, I lost a lot of motivation. Um, I, I tried to set other goals for myself in the sport. Um, but it was, it was uh, definitely more difficult for me to kind of really see those through. And I think I just was a little bit burnt out in the end as well. Um, so I decided at the end, uh, towards Christmas to actually go back to the States, um, uh, spent the winter in Florida and then, uh, went again back to Europe. And then last summer, uh, decided that I wanted to be in New York. Um, it just, uh, I had started sort of my, uh, business at that point, um, was, needed a lot more attention and, uh, just wanted a little bit more, uh, connection with home and friends, but it was about a two year process of figuring out my place and my, um, and, you know, getting back to loving, loving, um, the sport and that's why I'm wanting to do it. And, um, and now setting goals for hopefully Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Was there a moment where you, I don't need all this and I, you, you know, I, I want to go and focus, but maybe that's what you needed. For sure. I was, um, I'm definitely, uh, pretty good on my own. Um, which, uh, I think is probably a dangerous statement, but, um, I, I really do. Um, I am grateful for those for those times in um, the rural countryside, I was able to digest a lot of what I'd studied, um, you know, explored some of those further myself, um, you know, did a lot of readings, watched a lot of movies, worked on um, basically starting this um, pony app, my company. <laughs> and so had a, actually a lot of time to really dedicate to, to myself um, but then, yes, it does get to the point where you realize that every time you do go home and see friends or family, you kind of, you're awakened to the <laughs> the beauty of having people around you that you uh, know and love. So um, I totally took that for granted. So let's talk about your app. It was, uh, I read on the internet, not I, I knew about the app, but I didn't know this, that it was in the stan same bit of Stanford. And correct me if I'm wrong, this could just be something that I read on the internet. Okay. That, um, that Snapchat was was uh, like the same sort of like little project thing. Oh, yeah. I think that was potentially a misquote. <laughs> we did start it in a capstone course. My co-founder, Lindsay, um, 
was a product design major. And so I kind of just joined, which is a little different than the architecture department, but um, I kind of just joined the, the course um, midway through the year to to really work on it. And they gave you us a lot of foundations of, you know, how to how to start, build, market, you know. Um, and yeah, we, we both rode at the Stanford barn while we were there and kind of looked at each other and realized that uh, within this sort of tech bubble of Silicon Valley, the barn seemed a little bit analog. And um, we kind of pivoted a bit more towards um, a sort of rider, client, um, horse owner focused um, platform, which is now called Pony App, uh, which definitely is for your sort of everyday management, record keeping, logging, you know, basic activities. But we also have a lot of content um, and are trying to do a lot more sort of educational um, content about the sport, about horse care, all of that. And now we're introducing sort of a social element to it um, that we basically, we're kind of trying to make it the uh, LinkedIn for, for horses. <laughs> and there's really no central um, digital community. It's, it's all, it's all out there in different places, but you know, there's, there's, we're trying to kind of aggregate that and, and hopefully allow more people and more, um, little, uh, pony girls and boys that are obsessed like we were, but had really not much or a little bit out of touch with the top sport, um, and in all disciplines, um, to kind of bridge that gap and really build a, a stronger community. Um, my uh, co-founder Lindsay was uh, kind of created this uh, about six months ago. This uh, pony pageant. So she was like, "Let's just do this. Let's do a test and see, you know, how many you know little pony girls and boys are out there and and engaged and thirsty." And all the entries were from. It wasn't from you know New York City, and uh, it wasn't from London. It was. It was kids are across the world that you know in Yorkshire in um you know Iowa Montana Australia uh France it, it just it was they were everywhere and they were so thirsty and so we realized that you know we thought that oh all the professionals are you know underserved with technology and blah 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 we have to go out to solve this and it really turned to wow there's a community of people of of young people around the world that love horses and maybe have a pony in their backyard or go to you know um, pony club you know once a week or you know just love horses and uh, and have no outlet for it so um, we're trying to galvanize a little bit that energy and and um, in time direct it back towards the sport and its exposure and its athletes so I think if you I, I would I put in my notes you know uh, it's good to have a side hustle you know uh, on, your, yeah. <laughs> on, your, on your thing but how important is it though to kind of have that security as an athlete that you know that there's a different source of income coming in I think it's I think it's very important and particularly for sports that are still um, you know, say up and coming in terms of endorsements and sponsorships. And um, we're lucky to have um, a fair amount of prize money in our sport, which is growing, uh, but it's still not uh, at the level of a lot of others. So I think in, 
in our case, um, you know, to you either have to to hustle with the horses or um, you know and become a trainer and become uh, you know put on multiple hats um, along with your kind of top sport competitor hat. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I trained a little bit. I've, I've worked with, um, a couple students in New York, um, which I've actually found a lot more enjoyable than I anticipated, but, uh, I really love, um, uh, I really love, you know, kind of business and entrepreneurial pursuits. So, um, I figured if I could do my schoolwork those years, um, and compete that I could have another chunk of, or another, t uh, something that could, you know, take that amount of energy and chunk of time and all of that, you know, and I, I, I really like that balance. Cause I think, I think it actually helps my sport too. If I'm focusing 24 seven on, um, on that, I, I think I, I overanalyze and self-destruct. <laughs> I guess as a sports person, you learn not to be that upset with it all going to pieces. I mean, you're comfortable in, or at least more comfortable than the most. In For sure. I, I, it's, you know, it's not, um, win or lose or fail or, or, you know, it's, it's just kind of a step on the progression of, um, you know, your sort of end goal and, and it's, you know, you're, you're under, you're under no, by no means thinking that they're not going to be, um, hardships and there's not going to be adversity it's it's just challenges that you have to kind of um overcome and in the end it's I think why I as an athlete love working with horses and their unpredictability and why as an entrepreneur I love um kind of working with this this startup because I love those little challenges and um you know you're never bored for sure um and so tokyo 2020 you say that that's that is something that's getting you up in the morning that's now getting me up now um re-motivated for sure i um i took the last year to regroup with my with my injured horse baron so how is baron let's let's talk is is how, what's 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 the current situation baron is good he's um he's been in and out of injury for the past almost two years. Um, so it's been a long kind of grind, but he's now jumping again and, um, looking forward to a 2019, uh, hopefully competitive year. And also have been working with, um, another horse now for two years, uh, named Caracho, who kind of got as a young horse and have been developing with high hopes. And, um, he's just now blossoming and Baron is now, um, uh, healthy. So I'm really excited for 2019 cause I can, can start to, to really focus on it. It starts happening, <laughs> it starts, doesn't it? It's like, starts. It, start, it starts to be like, it's, you know, X amount of time before this. Mm -hmm. And if you hit this marker, you exactly. know, so yeah. Got to start to kind of, we have definitely have a two-year plan. We got work back from that, and um, each step of the way, kind of uh, keep it all in check. <laughs> so no more uh, heavy eating and and drinking. <laughs> Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast.
Thanks to Lucy and to Ed for conducting the interview. Thanks also to ZK Go for producing this week's podcast. You can find links to Lucy's Pony app, as well as videos about her horse Baron in the episode description. If you missed it, last week's podcast was all about stories to get your 2019 off to a flying start. We heard from Michael Phelps, Missy Franklin, Cleet Keller, Jordan Weber and Yusra Mardini. If you haven't already listened to it, it's well worth doing so. Don't forget we're across social media with the handle at Olympic Channel. Do let us know if you have any comments on the podcast. Finally, if you enjoyed it, please make sure you give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a comment and subscribe, that would be amazing. It helps other people find us too. Thanks if you've already done so. That's it for now. Join us next week for another Olympic Channel podcast. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.